Hello, podcast listeners. Welcome to the Health Simple Show. I'm your host, Kyle Reedhead, and I interview health and wellness experts from around the world to help you live healthy, happy, and stress-free. Enjoy the next show. Today we have Amber Ray uh, on the show, who is an author, an artist, uh, and a speaker that teaches creativity, personal growth, uh, and emotional wellness. She just recently released a book called Choose Wonder Over Worry. It came out in May. <laughs> and uh, basically what it does is it teaches you how to shift the way that we relate to ourselves and our emotions uh, and help us reach our full potential. So Amber, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks yeah. for having me. Thank you for, for joining us. So to get started, why don't you sort of just give us a background of who you are and what motivated you to, to write this book? Yeah, so who I, who I am, I like to think I'm a curious human. I've been that way since I was a kid, and that's taken me on a crazy, wild journey of worry and wonder. <laughs> and I mean, in terms of my path, I was in everything from, I worked with Apple, I was in tech, I worked with all the startups, a bunch of startups, and then transitioned into uh, publishing with Seth Godin until I ultimately discovered that I was a creative and then I began making art and writing a lot more and began to pursue that path more seriously over the last five years. And I wrote this book because I'm a big believer that our mess can be our message. Mm -hmm. And I realized that through so many of my transitions, whether I was like following the path that I thought I was supposed to do or starting my own company or beginning to pursue art, there was this voice in my head always shouting terrible things at me, like, you're not good enough for you to do this. What if you fail and get rejected? You know, what are people going to think of you? And that had me playing small, holding back, or just feeling really torn up inside, but acting like everything was okay. Mm -hmm. And so that led me to, you know, as this curious human, to really get curious about those anxious, worry voices inside my own head. And through that, I discovered the power of wonder. And so that's what you know, has taken me on this wondrous journey. I've met with neuroscientists and psychotherapists and healers and artists of all kinds to really understand the trappings of the fearful mind and how we can break through to really unlock who we are and what we're here to do. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm excited to kind of dive more into the book and, and some of those emotions that you discussed and differentiate between, the two, between all of them and and sort of, you know, discuss kind of ways to get around it. But before we do, um, was there any big challenges that, that you sort of faced, you know, in, in your life that kind of led you this way? Or, or, or what was it uh, that kind of got you in this mindset? Got it. Yeah. So my father passed away when I was young and he was a brilliant singer, song, songwriter, businessman. My mom says he was the most brilliant man she ever met, but also very misdirected. And so he decided to follow his dream of music when I was a kid and left us to pursue music. His band was called Dreamer, funny enough. And he was very much in the era of sex, drugs, and rock and roll and really took that to an extreme. And, you know, as an adult now, I could see that he never really knew how to face himself or his own demons. And really that, that got in the way and led him to get behind the wheel of a car under the influence, which led to his best friend and him dying. Wow. Um, and so, but he, this happened, the accident happened when I was a kid, but he didn't pass until I was 12. So he was in a coma and then he was in a care center, but never regained full consciousness, never. He was basically brain dead. 
And I just, you know, the experience of going through that, the absence of him, and like, as I was able to piece, piece it together as a teenager, I had this sense that I didn't want to die with my gift still inside. And I remember being, when, my, when he did finally pass, I was both relieved because he was in this trans, transition space for so long and I had time to sort of grieve the loss. Mm-hmm. Um, I was relieved that he could you know, transition on, but I was also pissed off that he had so much to give but got in his own way. And so I vowed to myself that I didn't want to die with my gift still inside. Wow, amazing story. And, and I mean, events like that, that happen, especially at a, a young age, really force you to sort of grow up and figure things out, whether it's, you know, your emotions or, or anything in life. I think things like that really kind of set you straight, um, even though it's so difficult in the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. Now, in the book, you, you talk about how wonder and worry are sort of different voices, I guess, voices in your head, as you just touched on. Can you sort of differentiate between the two and explain, you know, where they come from? Totally. So worry is the voice. It's, it's that critical inner voice. Who are you to do this? Are you good enough? You can't say that. They're going to judge you. It's that critical voice that really paralyzes us and prevents us from taking action. Whereas wonder is our curious inner guide. It's the part of us that both questions, worries, disempowering stories. So if worry saying, you know, that's a terrible idea, it, it's never going to work out. Wonder might be like, well, let's try and just see what happens anyway. Like if it doesn't work out, that's okay. We'll learn something and we'll make moves from there. And so wonder is almost is negotiating with worry so that we can move in the direction of what matters most. And where these, you know, where the voice of worry comes from, I, you know, I found in a lot of this research is it comes from society. We are socialized and conditioned to take on these beliefs and these stories. Because if you think about it as kids, we're born with immense wonder. We come out and we want to discover the world. And then all of a sudden we're told, you can't say that, be a good girl, be a good boy. You can't cry. You know, if you're emotional, you're weak or girls, you can't be angry or whatever it is. Or like, you know, I've heard so many stories of people who, um, they always thought they were an artist, but in third grade, that art teacher said, that's a terrible piece of art. And that moment made them think, oh, I can't be an artist. And so we borrow and listen and take on and absorb as children from society, from our communities, from advertising. Uh, So many women struggle with body image because they're looking at Photoshop models thinking that's a realistic body when it's actually not even a real human. (laughs) (laughs) And so, (laughs) so it's like we internalize so much and you know, our society, from my perspective, we're, we're not really teaching us how to navigate and deal with um, all of the things that we're conditioned into. Mm. You know, I think about that all the time, too, especially, you know, you grow up and, and when, you're, when you're young, when you're a baby, you know, you're always asking why, or once you guess, once you start to talk, <laughs> you're always yeah. asking why. And I mean, that's such a, um, an important way to live life, right? You want to, you need to find things that you should be asking why. And as you said, we lose that. And there's so many things I think we lose as a child. I mean, even just, you know, the one thing that always is, is interesting to me is when I look at a baby, they can just squat perfectly. And then all of a sudden they grow up and now like none of us can squat. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's just, we, 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 we start off so perfectly as a child. And then it's just like, we grow into this, this absolute mess. <laughs> and a lot of that I think is just due to society and just the way that norms are these days, right? It can be somewhat frustrating, I think. Absolutely. And so then I, and then I, I think wonder can be a tool to break through 
those beliefs we've inherited to actually ask, wait, where did I learn this? And do I want to still buy into that? Is that belief that I've been telling myself actually serving me? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Now there's, there's many different negative emotions. I mean, you just named off uh, a few of them, um, you know, fear, anxiety, jealousy, you know, I don't know. I think you probably have what 30 or so, at least in the book. Um, so let's kind of talk about this a little bit more. Um, one thing I think people need to rec recognize is that negative emotions aren't necessarily a bad thing. You know, it doesn't mean that you're weak or you're crazy or anything like that. I think it means you're alive, right? It's, it's a normal thing for humans to, to think negative emotions. Um, but the way that we deal with them is what really matters. Uh, so why don't you sort of, you know, walk us through your approach in, in dealing with these negative emotions? And I think even first off, when I heard you say negative emotions, I was like, hey. <laughs> but I, I like the explanation that followed because I think even that labeling of these are the negative emotions makes them wrong and bad. And I think that's so much of, of the challenge of, you know, I see that our culture is very, is going through an emotional crisis where most people are emotionally repressed. I know that I didn't learn how to navigate my trickier or less comfortable emotions. So, you know, if anger would arise, I thought anger was bad and I should push it away. When really anger often is telling us like, hey, this isn't okay. A boundary has been crossed and it's time to like speak up. Or if I was anxious, I would think, oh no, I need to make the anxiety go away. Something must be wrong with me versus anxiety typically shows up because something's out of alignment. Anxiety wants to get our attention because anxiety wants us to keep us safe. So, you know, I might get anxiety about a deadline next week because I haven't prepared and anxiety might be just alerting to me, hey, this is really important. We care about this. Let's get moving. And so it's more understanding the message beneath the emotion instead of getting wrapped up or becoming the emotion. Hmm. And there's this, there's this ancient Greek notion called Helianism. And the ancient Greeks basically believed that emotions would come to visit you. And I love this because I think it's such a beautiful metaphor for how we can learn to relate to our emotions in a healthier way. And I think even Elizabeth Gilbert, when she, she gave a TED Talk where she talks about creativity and the muse and how it visits you, and I think she may have been referring to this as well, where it's like they believe that like, oh, anger is visiting me today. Interesting. What message does anger have for me? Okay, let me understand the message and then anger is going to leave. Or fear is visiting me in this moment. That's cool. I wonder why fear is here. Hmm, let me get curious about that. And so it's this detached but still observant perspective to our emotions, which creates awareness, which has us not be like, oh, I am fear and I am an afraid person, but rather, oh, fear is just here right now. I wonder why. And so I, in, in, in this work, I like to talk about the three C's as a process for how we can really learn to turn toward and embrace our emotions rather than pushing them away, numbing, or you know, making them wrong or bad or shaming them. And so the first C is courage which is, okay, this is kind of scary. This feels uncomfortable. I'm not used to turning toward my anger, but okay, I'm going to go there anyway because I know that I'm going to grow. And then the second C is curiosity. And curiosity is the part of us that says, okay, so I experienced anger when for the fourth time someone crossed the line with me and said something that doesn't feel okay for me and I feel like they're overstepping their bounds. Okay, now I understand the trigger. So curiosity is like, when did this start? What was the, you know, what happened to have you experienced the anger? 
and also like, what do you want to do about it? And that, you know, with anger, I think it's learning to act upon it, the message beneath it versus act on and use a friend or someone as a punching bag. But again, understanding the message beneath it. And then the third C is compassion, which is remembering that, you know, we're all human. We're all doing the best that we can. If we can't, you know, if our relationship with the emotion feels really scary and tricky, it's okay because we're doing, again, we're doing the best that we can. And so those three C's I find to be helpful allies in the path of really learning to turn toward our emotional world. Now is this, by the way, that's really cool. And I love really practical ways to, um, to improve health. So that's exactly what that is. Now is this, is this the way that you'll, let's say, attack every one of these emotions or is it different depending on, on the emotion that you're having, whether it's fear or anxiety or, or anger, whatever it is? I mean, it's, those are the sort of general principles, but let's say that like I wake up and I feel really anxious. Mm -hmm. I will immediately pull out my journal and I will actually, so instead of like attack, because I think any, (laughs) any warlike language I try to stay away from because I think that's actually the problem in our society is that we like, I mean, it's like, let's smash fear and it's like, or we can like embrace it. I like that. (laughs) Or we can like have a conversation with it. And so like, let's, if I woke up anxious, I would pull out my journal and I'd be like, Hey, anxiety, I see you hanging out here. And that simple act of actually labeling the emotion, labeling what you're feeling does wonders and neuroscience backs this up, does wonders for just bringing us back to the present moment and reducing the anxiety around the sensation. So if you can name what you're feeling, you can, yeah, up to by up to 50% reduce the sensation. So like, okay, Hey, anxiety, you're hanging out right now. I'm feeling you. And then I'll actually ask it like, what's going on? Why are you here? And what message do you have for me? And I'll journal into that for about a page. And usually it's pretty evidently clear. There's like something that's a stimulus for my anxiety. And once I can understand and bring awareness to whatever is stimulating that anxiety or whatever the root of it is, then I can figure out how to take action on it. Wow. Cool. I mean, there's one quote that I love. It's 85% of things we worry about never actually happen. Uh, And so one of the things that I've seen is it's similar to journaling, I guess, but it's, it's asking why. So you kind of, you know, you you notice that you have anxiety and you go, well, why do I have anxiety? And you know, then it's like, well, I don't know, because I have a due date for something at work. Well, why is that such a big deal? You just keep asking why and kind of working your way through it until you're like, I don't know why anymore. I don't know why this is even bothering me. And I think I, I've tried that and I've recommended that to others. And I think that's something that, that can be, be pretty powerful. It seems like that's kind of the same sort of idea as, as what you're talking about. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just, it's finding a way to demystify the like noise mm-hmm. and to really yeah, get to the root of it. So I love, I love the why. And in addition to the 85% of the things we worry about never actually happen, another study found that we spent 80% of our time with regret about the past or anxiety about the future. Mm-hmm. So 80% of our time is literally is, is spent, you could say worrying when 85% of the things don't actually happen. <laughs> where, where do they get these stats from? I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I hope that they're as accurate as I want them to be. <laughs> Now, one of, the, one of the areas that I think a lot of people struggle with is even just trying to recognize the, the emotion that they have or that they even have a specific emotion. What kind of advice do you have for someone that goes throughout their day and maybe they're really busy and it's, they're stressed and then they're scared and then they're, you know, they're anxious? You know, how do you even kind of determine, you know, stop and determine what's going on in, in your life? Do you have any yeah. kind of practical advice for that? 
Yeah, I mean, when we're moving through the day and we're going from thing to thing, you know, emotions may come and rise like weather patterns. And so I always say just pause and breathe. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's so easy to create a story about the feeling versus just letting it move through you. And so if you could just pause, take five deep breaths, what I always do is I breathe in for four, I'll hold for four, and I'll release for four. And if I do that four, five, six times, usually whatever I'm feeling begins to feel less, you know, less intense. Yeah. And it's just, you know, shifting away from that intensity. Because I think there's a time to really analyze and understand the feeling. And there's a time where we're moving from thing to thing and we feel like we don't have the ability to tune into that in that moment. So as long as we can remember to breathe, remember it's going to pass. And remember that we are not our emotions. It's just an experience that's moving through us in the moment. Mm, I like that. Now, these emotions, it's not something, I think a lot of people decide that they need to, or they want to stop these emotions. And I mean, that's not really a thing. I don't think you're ever going to like, you know, people, I think that, you know, they see someone who's successful and they think, well, they don't have any of these negative emotions, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I think it, it's important to understand that, that you're never going to stop them. They're always going to happen no matter how much money you have or how successful you are. Um, it's just, as you've you know, outlined here, it's, it's just the way that you're going to accept it and, and then kind of deal with it moving forward. Right. Yeah, I mean, you look at Anthony Bourdain, Kate Spade, um, and Kate Spade is a brand that I've worked with, spoke with, created art with, um, and, you know, one of the most wondrous, curious, like, they're just, they're all about wonder, and so when her, when she committed suicide, I think that was a shock to so many people, because A, you know, I think publicly no one knew she was struggling, and B, she it seemingly was so successful and, you know, had everything she could ever want. And I, I think what, what I feel like we're blessed with right now is that the shame and the stigma around mental health or emotions um, is really decreasing. And so people are being much more vocal about it. And, and frankly, I think we all deal with mental health stuff. Mental yeah. health is not just for you know, a small few who have you know, anxiety disorder. I think anxiety is a part of the world that we live in. And so it's how do we... Um, how do we learn to, yeah, again, have that healthy relationship with it yeah. and not try to stop it or make it go away. Cause then it'll just get stored in our body and it can create disease. It can, you know, I know like anxiety, if not addressed, can create inflammation in the body. Inflammation in the body can lead to a host of different diseases. And so it's more of, again, feeling it to heal it. Mm-hmm. If you let it pass, if you feel it, let it pass, then it will move. And, you know, uh, a feeling of a sensation of anxiety might last for 90 seconds. But again, it's the story we create that can last a lifetime. So like, you know, I think an example everyone can relate to like dating, let's say someone that you're in love with breaks up with you, you know, you might feel sadness for a couple of days a week or a period of time, but it's the story of I'm not lovable or I'm a failure or whatever it is that we create based on those emotions that can last five or 10 years and prevent us from putting ourselves out there. Or let's say a business fails. We might think I'm a failure. I'm so ashamed of myself instead of feeling the pain of rejection for a a short period of time. Again, it's the story we create that can then last for much longer. Yeah. I love that. Failure is actually where I wanted to talk about next. I'm glad you just, you just brought that up because we we talked a bit about anxiety and, 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 you know, that sort of area, but failure is something um, you know, that 
people are, are often afraid of, right? They're afraid to fail. And, and one of the biggest things that has kind of helped me in my life and my career and, and kind of where I'm going is I learned years ago to just accept failure, to, to actually like love failure. Like I almost crave failure because I know, <clears throat> sorry, that, that it's going to allow me to grow and to get better. And then hopefully I won't fail at that same thing again. Or even if I do, I'll keep doing it until I figure it out. Um, how does someone sort of change their, their mindset to, to actually be okay with failure. Can you sort of talk about um, the way you explain failure in your book? Yeah, I think cultivating a failure mindset is so key because failure is just learnings in disguise. Mistakes are simply insights for what did not work so we can go figure out what does. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I learned this perspective of failure. I worked with Seth Godin to start a publishing company and it was the most uncomfortable period of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Every day it was like, what mistakes did you make today? How are you failing? What isn't working? And it was so, you know, at that period of time, I was like, it was like destroying my ego because <laughs> I wanted to attach to success. I wanted Seth to like me. I wanted his approval. And I thought I needed to only do good work and only, you know, make things turn out really great. But it was only through learning that, like, actually, let me make as many mistakes as quickly as possible, which his whole thing was make more mistakes so that I can see what doesn't work and very quickly figure out and pivot toward what does. And so when I think of life as this iterative process of, you know, let's, tr let's make that right next move and find clarity through action, then we can continue to make progress and grow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's... Look at, I mean, so we talked failure, we talked anxiety. Let's look at all the, we can't call them negative emotions because you don't like that. So we'll talk about, let's look at all we the- We call them the more challenging emotions. Okay, okay. <laughs> or you know, we'll call them worries. We'll call them worries, I guess. Okay, what, all right, you, what you deem them as. So what impact has um, choosing wonder over worry um, made in your life? I mean, I, I don't know exactly the point at which you started to do that, but how has that really kind of changed who you are and, and everything about you. Yeah, for me, it's basically changed everything. <laughs> Both like, and, and I see wonder as a internal tool for self-discovery and awareness first. And so whether it was, you know, when I lost my father, what I unconsciously, the story I unconsciously created is that men I love will leave me. And so for a period of time, I kept dating emotionally unavailable men mm -hmm. so that I could reinforce the story that I would be left. And it wasn't until I wondered about that story, wondered where it came from, um, why I was reinforcing it, um, whether or not it was serving me that I even had an opportunity to rewrite that story and to turn it into something more empowering because clearly that was very disempowering. And what I realized is that I will never leave me. And so I will always stay with me. And so it didn't, you know, I didn't have to look outside of myself to serve that, that narrative. And so what that shifted was I began to date great men, which <laughs> just like changed everything. Or like when, when I had a business fail, I was so ashamed. We ran out of money. I, you know, my, the team was really upset. It was this big dream that sort of blew up and I was so ashamed and thought, you know, something's really wrong with me. I don't know how to build a business. That shame lasted for several years. Instead, um, until I worked with Seth and realized, wait, if I would have just learned that those were mistakes that I could have improved upon, you know, I wouldn't have waited so many years to iterate on the project. And so 
Um, again, wonder is this tool to question these, these stories we create in our minds and these stories become who we are and what we think we're capable of. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, it's shifted my life in that way to the moment by moment, you know, I walk into, um, an art gallery and there's mixed media art lining the walls and a voice inside of me says, it's time to make some art. And of course, worry pops in and says, art, you can't make art. You didn't go to art school. And wonders like, but hey, see that guy over there? I wonder if he owns this place. Why don't you see if he teaches any workshops? And so I like go and I talk to this guy. Turns out he runs the place. Turns out he's been thinking about running art workshops. I tell him like, hey, I can get 12 awesome women in here next week. Do you want to teach us to make art? And he was like, hell yeah. And so like that began this like journey of me even discovering that I was an artist, which led to this public art project, which then spread to 20 countries. So it's like, I think of in that moment, I could have been like, oh, I didn't go to art school. Let me run out the front door. And in that moment, instead, I decided to choose wonder by like having a conversation with the stranger. Mm. And so moment to moment, whether it's looking at stories we tell ourselves and questioning the, the truth and the validity of them, or it's noticing where we're curious and drawn and deciding to act on wonder. Someone posted yesterday um, on social media, I love hearing how people are responding to this book that they had a piece of writing rejected four years ago and they then never sent it out to anyone else but now they're choosing wonder by sending it out to 10 more people wow. and so i think you know there's ways small ways that we can put ourselves out there and challenge these notions of rejection and failure by just seeing hmm, i wonder what could happen yeah so powerful and do you find that the first time that you choose to Go with wonder instead of worry. So when you were dealing with your with your dad and and with the the brutal guys that you were dating, <laughs> uh, do you find that it then gets easier to make those decisions to then choose worry or sorry to choose wonder as you go along? Um, because I I can only assume and, and I mean it definitely was for me, but it it was difficult difficult for the first time to sort of you know fight those fears or fight that anxiety or whatever it was. Um, do you find that then it just kind of gets builds momentum and, and gets easier? Absolutely. I mean, it's, it is, it's the hardest at first and the hardest, um, like I think of when I was publishing before I published my book, I was so afraid because my book's so raw and vulnerable. I was so afraid of judgment. And then I got my first negative review and I was like, Oh, cool. Whatever. It's not for everyone moving on, you know, but like for like nine months, I was so afraid of like what people think. So it's always like the before part, but once you face it, it like actually snowballs and becomes much, much easier. It's like, you know, where we put our attention, we feed that. And so that can amplify and grow. And so I think, you know, when we begin to choose wonder and we see, and it's like, we have to get the payoff of it. We have to see what is the payoff of choosing wonder. Oh, I feel more me or, oh, this actually worked out. Or, ooh, I surprised myself here. Oh, I feel way more confident. Um, whatever it is, we, we experience that payoff and we want more of it. Mm -hmm. We get greedy. <laughs> you know, I, I, when, I, when I watch you talking about this, you, you, every time you go wonder you, or worry, you put your right hand over your right shoulder when you, when you say uh, wonder, I guess, or the other one, whichever I didn't just say, you go over your left shoulder. It reminds me of like the angel and the devil over the shoulder in like Disney movies. <laughs> so that's kind of how I'm picturing wonder and worry. Yeah, I think of them like that. Yeah, it's like Disney was trying to teach us all along. <laughs> well, it's funny that I, A, did not realize I was doing that because I'm just, I use my hands a lot. But what's also funny is that our right side actually represents the masculine okay. and our left side actually represents the feminine. Really? Where I do think that worry comes from more of that logical 
place, whereas yeah. wonder comes from more of that like creative, creative, creative space. Uh, really cool. I can see that. So listen, <laughs> we, we've talked a lot about your book. Why don't you share to the listeners um, a little bit more about your book, what exactly it is and, and um, where they can get it as well. So Choose Wonder Over Worry is a, I like to think of it as a journey through your inner world. It's going to invite you to look at the fear, the anxiety, the perfectionism, the hustling for approval, basically any limit that's in the way of your potential and growth with a lens of wonder, we will turn toward it and help you break through so that you can step into who you are and, and the work you're here to do. Awesome. And where can you get it anywhere? You can get it anywhere books are sold. Amazon, I think it's $17 on Amazon right now. So that's the lowest price. And choosewonder.com is, is the website for the book with all the links to the different um, buyers. Awesome. Okay, so I have, I have one more question for you. Uh, before I do, is there anything burning in your head that, that you want to share? Um, or maybe you want to summarize kind of what we, we sort of talked about. Um, what, uh, what's going on in, the, in that head of yours? <laughs> Well, this is, this is, I'm, I wanted to bring this up earlier, but it, it didn't happen. I don't know if this is a summary, but it's more of another technique that I think okay. is really powerful. So I think one of the most powerful things that I've done with my different, you know, anxious characters or, or worry characters is that I've actually built a character around them. And I come from the brand world. And so I was always creating archetypes of the consumer that we wanted the product to reach. So like when I worked with Apple, we, you know, like who are all the archetypes that we want this product to reach? And one day I was like, well, what if I had archetypes for my own inner characters? Hmm. And so once I was able to really name and label and build a character around them, I could actually converse and move through it more quickly. So for example, my perfectionist, her name is Grace, and she's a 30-something British woman who hails from London, <laughs> who has short blonde hair and blue eyes, and wants everything in a very neat and tidy box. And so because I know Grace, and she shows up when I'm writing, when I'm getting vulnerable, when I'm going to tell a story that makes her feel uncomfortable, she'd be like, you can't say that people are going to judge you. And to the point now where I actually hear her voice instead of mine. <laughs> <laughs> you got a pretty good accent though. <laughs> Thank you. I have family in England, so I like to think okay. that I'm but I'm able to, again, realizing that worry or any of these emotions that we experience often are trying to protect us from danger and keep us safe. But because I have the character of grace, I can negotiate with her and be like, hey, I see you. Um, you know, why are you hanging out here? And she'd be like, well, I just really want a high quality piece of writing and this is rubbish. And I'll be like, I understand this is rubbish, but I need to create a shitty first draft before I get to something good. So I need you to go get a massage while I finish this. And then maybe I'll invite you into the editing process. And she'd be like, okay, I understand. Um, but what happens is that because I know like with the perfectionist, it's grace or with anxiety, it's anxious Annie, or, you know, I have mama Jenny, who's like my inner coach because I've built these characters of my inner world, sort of like the movie inside out. Yeah. Okay. I'm able to stop them real time and keep doing the thing that I want to do. Well, it's probably, I'd love that idea, by the way, that is super cool. And it's like, you're having a conversation with someone else rather than rather than having a conversation with yourself. That's kind of what I, I see from that. And you know what I, I just love about everything we've talked about is one of the things that, that bothers me with the whole, you know, mental health and promoting it. I mean, obviously I love that and I support it, but a lot of times it's just, well, all they promote is that mental health is a thing and then that's it. And then they just leave it at that donate money or do whatever it is. Mental health is a thing. But 
where they don't go is, well, mental health is a thing and here's what you can do to actually get over it, right? Don't just understand it's a thing and then let it take over your life. It's, well, how about we discuss some ways and, and you've discussed some really kind of out of the box ways that I think are <laughs> awesome um, to actually improve and, and get over it, not just admit that you have it, but, you know, work your way through it, right? And, and yeah. absolutely love um, that you were strong enough to get through it yourself and then to be able to just, you know, open up and share that to everyone else is, is absolutely amazing. Thank you. Thank you. So if I can turn that around as an exercise for the person who's uh, tuning in would be to think about what is that worry voice that is the loudest for you or what is the fear that comes up the most mm -hmm. and just write down what it, what it sounds like and then begin to build the character of who it is, what they look like. And sometimes, because I lead workshops where I do this, I've had someone who it's like a cat or that's like sitting on their shoulder or a snake around the face. So it doesn't have to be a 30 something British woman. It could be an animal or it could be like a dark blob, but it's like creating a visual because when we do that, we create distance between ourselves and some voice in our head so we can have an objective perspective mm -hmm. and that space creates clarity. And so, yeah, be, get clear on what the voice is saying, um, who it is, and then actually have a conversation with it and yeah. try to have empathy and understanding for why it's showing up and then feel free to set a boundary or negotiate so that you can act on what matters most to you. Was the 30-something British uh, woman your first character or did you have, a, who was your first uh, character? She was my first character. She, she was, was my first character. Yeah, one? and then she unlocked all kinds of other characters. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> my, my friend calls this multiple personality order. <laughs> oh, I like that order. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so here's, here's my, my final question. Um, and this is something that I ask all the guests that, that come on the show. So knowing everything that you know now, I mean, you've gone through years and years of this, this wellness journey, we'll call it. Let's say you were to forget everything that you knew. Unfortunately, I know that would be the worst thing ever, but let's say you were to forget it all and restart your wellness or your health journey or whatever you want to call it. What would be the one piece of knowledge that you would want to share with yourself who's just getting started? Mm. The one piece of knowledge you'd want to keep with you. I think it's so easy to look outside of ourselves for answers and think, you know, even to seek out mentorship through external sources, which is great and useful. And I think the, the greatest, um, the thing I would want to remember is that the answers are within me and to really trust in my own wisdom and knowledge. And so for, you know, I've been writing since I was a kid. I know I'm supposed to forget the things that I have done and known, but <laughs> I, if I, it was the one thing that I would want to encourage myself to do is to pick up a pen and paper. If that's, if I could only say, do one thing, pick up a pen and paper and get to know my own self through the act of writing and know that I hold the keys to the life that I want to lead is what I would want to remember. Uh, awesome. And if you're under the age of 15, a pen is those things that you, you write with. Uh, <laughs> maybe, what you're, maybe what you'll want to do is get your thumbs in your phone and write in your notes, I guess. Uh, I, would I, even, I would even encourage, I know it might seem, but like we access different parts of ourselves through pen and paper. Neuroscience mm -hmm. has shown. So we can't actually tap into the depth of ourselves through typing on a phone. Really? So is yeah. there, there's research to support that, 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 because this is something I wonder all the time because I, I'm, I've slowly switched from using pens all the time or pencils to, to writing everything in my notes on my phone. Um, even when I'm doing journaling or affirmations or things like that, 
so is there really a big difference to, to write rather than type? Well, I talked to a psychotherapist about this and she was saying, I don't have the study in front of me, but she was yeah. saying there is a lot of evidence to show that a pen and paper helps you tap into different parts of your brain. Wow. And so, you know, I think of like when I wrote my book, everything for me started in pen and paper. If I sat in front of the computer or like open, grab my phone and tried to write, I was like, but if I grab pen and paper and began mind mapping of like, okay, stories about when I was most afraid and I'd like map out, oh, that thing that happened there. Oh, and I felt this. And like, and then all of a sudden I would have this whole visual journey and then I'd realize, oh, this story, this story. It was a totally different process. For me, typing is when I want to as quickly as possible get the story out. Yeah, yeah. Like if I hear the story, but it's like to unlock the story, there's unlocking the story and there's writing the, writing the work. I see. Doing the writing. Improves creativity. That's yeah. what I get from that. Yeah, awesome. Totally. Really cool. Okay. Well, you know what? Thank you, first of all, so much for coming on the show and, and discussing all this. Um, as I said, I mean, it takes a strong individual to be able to sort of figure this stuff out on your own and then, and then be able to share it. And I think that's super appreciated. Um, you know, and, and, you know, I really appreciate just you writing the book and, and coming on here and everything that you've been doing. So, uh, kudos to you. Keep that up. Yeah. If people want to find you on the internet, uh, they want to get a hold of you or they want to learn more from you. Uh, where do they go? So Instagram is my favorite, um, because it's both visual and has writing. So I'm Hey Amber Ray, R-A-E on Instagram. And I'd love to hear what stood out to you from this interview, what resonated with you. Feel free to leave a comment. I reply to as many as I can. And my website is amberray.com where there's different blogs and writings to dive you deeper into your wonder journey. Amazing. And I'll make sure to put those in the show notes. So if you're listening on the podcast, uh, you can just click on them and you'll get right to where you need to be. Uh, but again, Amber, thank you so much for doing this. This was, uh, this was awesome. Super interesting. Thank you. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Hell Simple Show. More importantly, I hope you learned something from it. If you did, leave me a review on iTunes. It would mean the world to me.